The GW Regulatory Studies Center is part of the Trachtenberg School of Public Policy and Public Administration at the George Washington University. Our mission is to improve regulatory policy through research, education, and outreach. This is our podcast, and I'm your host, Bryce Chenault. Today we are joined by Mark Fabrizio. Mark is a policy analyst here at the GW Regulatory Studies Center. He recently co-authored a report the center publishes annually with the Wiedenbaum Center on the Economy, Government, and Public Policy at Washington University in St. Louis. The Wiedenbaum Center's director, Melinda Warren, was Mark's co-author this year. You can view the full report and previous editions on our website. This year's edition is titled, Regulators' Budget, Overall Spending and Staffing Remain Stable, an Analysis of the U.S. Budget for Fiscal Years 1960 to 2021. Mark, thank you for joining the podcast today. You're welcome, Bryce. Uh, Thanks for having me. So let's dive into some questions. What is the regulator's budget? The regulator's budget is an annual report that's been published for a number of years. The main thing is it includes a data set of the on-budget outlays and personnel the federal government dedicates to regulation for each fiscal year. Uh, And at this point, we have about 62 years of this data. Specifically, it it captures like really kind of two main pieces of data. First is the spending in terms of dollars, and second is the staffing in terms of employment focused on developing and enforcing regulation from various federal agencies. And so ultimately the data comes from the annual president's budget published by the Office of Management and Budget, and then we look through it and identify the sorts of spending and staffing that's dedicated to administering and enforcing and developing regulation each year. Okay, yeah, I think that gives a helpful background for people that maybe aren't familiar with it. And, uh, and we've been pu- publishing this for a long time and uh, us in the Wiedenbaum Center, so f- uh, feel free to look up the historical uh, reports. Um, maybe, Mark, what, uh, what makes the annual report useful and who might find it useful? I like to think of this report as reflecting the priorities of the federal government in areas of regulation. And specifically, this links out to the particular federal regulatory agencies and what types of things that they're spending money on and dedicating staff to. The report overall is really intended to be pretty informative and descriptive, most of all. And so the goal is to give researchers information on the relative regulatory spending and staffing of agencies as well as show how that spending and staffing has evolved over time. What the report really does is it takes the most recent president's budget, kind of gives some summaries of how regulatory spending might change uh, over the upcoming year and how it has changed over the past few years, and then provides decades of panel data with multiple years and multiple entities and categories. And so you can answer questions from it, kind of like, how did the government allocate its resources related to regulation? What, what are the kind of the big priorities in terms of the types of regulation that the government is administering? Well, the people who ultimately, I think, find it most useful is other researchers, oftentimes. And each year, we regularly receive requests from other researchers who want to use the data set for other projects, whether that be something internal or something that they want to publish down the road. I suppose there's there's probably a, a reporter here and there that might stumble across it from time to time, too. Uh, throughout the report, there are terms like budget requests, outlays, and full-time equivalent positions. Could you go through what these key terms actually mean? I'd be happy to. And, and I will say for, for listeners who might be less familiar, don't, don't feel badly. These are sort of obscure terms at times. 
and it's taken, sometimes I feel like I don't fully understand them myself uh, because it reflects just how complicated the budget process is uh, in our country. And so I'll try to give a, a simplified explanation of the process, just maybe for a little bit of background. And what that looks like in terms of sort of the order is that the president will make this budget request to Congress, then Congress is going to enact a law that, that approves certain appropriations, and then that turns into outlays for the government agencies for different programs. And outlays really are just kind of a fancy way of seeing expenditures by the federal government. One helpful definition for me uh, is by the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, and they explain how outlays are how much money actually flows out of the federal treasury in a given year. And so that's kind of what, what that term means. It's really just spending uh, or expenditures by these different agencies that have been approved by Congress. And then uh, in relation to FTEs or full-time equivalent employees, so you might count uh, the number of employees a, a business has by just the number of people who are working there. But this is a way that kind of accounts for also how many hours they work relative to how many hours is the, the typical worker full-time would work. And so um, you could have one FTE, could be one person who's working full-time for that whole year, or it could be two people who are working half-time for that full year would also be equivalent to one FTE. So it just kind of adjusts uh, for folks who aren't working full-time at different agencies. Great. Yeah, I think that provides a little bit of clarity for people. I know I can, I can get tripped up by some of these definitions myself. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, every single time I do this report, I end up having to look up these definitions over again uh, and trying to make sure that I'm characterizing them accurately because the process is, is really quite complicated. Yeah. Yeah. So th thank you again for laying that out. So now that we've maybe gone through some of those terms that you've discussed here already, there's also, I noticed, charts in the report that separate separate out different categories of regulation with a distinction made between social and economic regulation. What is the big difference between those two? Yeah. So kind of the, the main distinction between these two categories here is economic regulation uh, is related more to economic controls over the sort of the entry of firms into an industry or price controls, whether like maximum or minimum price controls on the products that the industry is putting out. And social regulation is more focused on addressing market failures. These are oftentimes thought of in terms of externalities or asymmetric information or market power. One example would be environmental regulations that try to control the externality of pollution. And so they're kind of the lines can be blurred at times between the two broad categories, but ultimately it's it's kind of a way just to summarize how certain regulations have different objectives and are trying to achieve different things and have different mechanisms to achieve those things. One of the reasons why it's useful to distinguish is that it's helpful to track how the government's approach to regulation has changed over time. And so you see kind of in the, in the 70s in particular, a bit of a shift um, that the government is moving away from sort of more forms of economic regulation that's typically focused more on industry. And they're looking at kind of bigger picture stuff like consumer health and safety, environment and energy, rather than regulating the, the railroad industry in particular or regulating the airlines and such, and making sure that the prices are, are, are at the right levels, the, the levels that uh, the regulators have set. 
Uh, all right. So now that we've gone through a lot of the background there with some terms and different types of regulation, the way that they're organized within the report, related to this fiscal year 2021 report, is there anything that really stuck out to you as different from previous years? Interestingly, and the title of the, the fiscal year 2021 report is Overall Spending and Staffing Remain Stable. Uh, in some ways, that's a little bit different than previous years. Generally, we're going to see, we've seen increases each year or oftentimes increasing in a couple percentage points uh, in, in total spending. And the 2021 budget request really only requested a 0.3% increase in real terms. But between 2019 and 2020, uh, the spending actually increased over 5%. So that's actually kind of a little bit of a, I was a little surprised to see that spending hasn't, won't increase at sort of the rate it had been. Okay, yeah, and maybe along those lines, now that we've gone through this process several times in the Trump administration, are there any trends within this administration that distinguish it from previous administrations? That's a great question. Uh, and this is actually a really interesting year to be looking at this because we've now had four budgets from the Trump administration. Um, th this, this fiscal year 2021 budget is the fourth one that they've proposed. Um, and so now we can kind of see um, how the trend has has worked overall and sort of the recurring things uh, that the, the Trump administration has prioritized. And so really, the main tr trend you see is that the Trump administration consistently is asking for more spending on Homeland Security regulation, and it's continually asking for big cuts to environment and energy regulation. But how I described before, how ultimately Congress is the one who has to approve um, the requests that the, the agencies make. These federal budgets are ultimately a product of compromise between the executive and the legislative branches. And so what we've seen is uh, the Trump administration broadly asking for more homeland security regulation, particularly in kind of areas of uh, border and immigration uh, enforcement. And they've gotten that largely from Congress. But the administration has also asked for kind of pretty large cuts um, in the environmental regulation category. And overall, uh, Congress really hasn't granted those cuts. Rather, the spending has been pretty flat um, over that time, suggesting that Congress isn't willing to make these big cuts that the Trump administration would, would want to. Yeah, that's a that's a great theme to pull out. And, you know, just a reminder of how our overall process works. All right. Maybe as a last question regarding, you know, this year's report and I guess our our annual publication in general, are, are there any other key takeaways or big picture ideas you'd like to share with our audience? I'd say one other big takeaway I had in this year's report, and this was looking at kind of the longer term data, is that just how much um the categories of the, the composition of spending on different regulatory categories has changed over time. And I think in, in particular, looking at, still at these two categories of homeland security regulation and environment and energy regulation, I did another article analyzing the agency budgets over the last few years, but I also looked at regulatory spending from 1960 to, to 2020, and homeland security regulation just explodes um, right after 2001, for and, and very understandably as a result. And since then, environmental regulation really has kind of stayed the same. And so just to see that big shift in the priorities of the government 
over that time has been, I think is just a really big key takeaway for me. Uh, in fact, to the point where in 2000s, the EPA had higher spending than any of these other agencies like um, Customs and Border Protection, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement, and the Transportation Security Administration, which didn't even exist uh, yet. Now EPA in 2020 spent the least out of all the, the rest of those agencies. And so it's just kind of pointing to how th things can change quite a bit in terms of what the government is prioritizing and, and how they're, they're spending their money and resources. Yeah, excellent. And if anybody's interested in um, what Mark had referenced there, he has a regulatory insight on our website. It's titled Analyzing Agency Budgets for Regulatory Spending with the subtitle of Budget Data Reveal Congressional Influence Over Trump's Policy Priorities. So be sure to check that out. And Mark, maybe along those lines, is there any other content maybe you'd recommend for our listeners to check out? Maybe other organizations that have, you know, I think you had mentioned one earlier that just have uh, useful resources along this same wavelength of, of study. Yeah, well, I, I would definitely be remiss if I didn't shout out the Wiedenbaum Center for our, our co-authors on this study and, and Melinda Warren in particular. And they also have these reports for uh, available on their website. And so I would recommend checking some of their work out too. We can also include a link on the, uh, the center on budget and policy priorities, uh, and in just that article where I mentioned before, I think they're a really good resource for just thinking about uh, how, w what does the budget budget process even look like. Um, and they're much more in the weeds than me on those sort of matters. So I heavily benefit from organizations that just have that sort of deep expertise on the really complicated budget process. Another piece of related content, though, that might be interesting is that. As we talked about the distinction between social and economic regulation, well, some other of my colleagues at the Regulatory Study Center have developed a taxonomy of regulatory forms. And they've taken those big categories of social and economic regulation, as well as some other like sort of uh, regulation that's um, more administrative in, in function as well. And then they've kind of subdivided it uh, at a much more granular level. And that's really helpful because... Uh, like I, I mentioned before, a lot of times researchers are trying to see comparatively what types of regulation achieve the, their objectives better than other types. And so once we actually have this data and can map it to the real world, then we can get a much, much better sense of what sorts of forms of regulation have really been successful. Great. Yeah, I think that's perfect. And I'm sure uh, Zoe and Daniel will appreciate the mention of their uh, taxonomy of regulatory forms. So... I guess maybe to wrap up, I think we've covered a lot of ground here today. I hope this provides you know, helpful further context to our annual regulators budget report with the Wiedenbaum Center. And again, thank you to them for teaming up with that with us over, over the years. Uh, Mark, any, any last second thoughts for our listeners? No, uh, Bryce, thank you for taking the time to uh, talk with me today and just uh, hear my thoughts. And um, maybe the last thought is that we have this data set available for researchers. And so uh, you can just go to our website and request it if you're interested in just taking a look at the data or using it for any sort of project. Perfect. Yep. We usually have this on our homepage. And if not, you can find it underneath our publications tab. So uh, with that, uh, thank you all again for joining us today. If you're not already subscribed to our emails or following us on social media, please visit our website linked on our profile page here and stay tuned for future content from the GW Regulatory Study Center. Thank you.